just got done talking to a cosmic musician, uh, Ned Albright, who, who just told me that at Sea Saint Studios every morning, Victoria Medlin and all the cats would show up at Sea Saint at 10 in the morning and they would have a Heineken and pass a joint around before they started their day. And uh, <laughs> that is New Orleans. And, you know, I, I just, I've, I've thought about this guy a lot last <laughs> couple of months, uh, along with all the other elders that have helped me find my voice and the idea that um, they have normally expressed themselves uh, on the get their emotions out of them, their system on the bandstand, and to have it so cruelly taken away by this unpredictable and deadly virus, um, it pains me. But it also, on the flip side, uh, gives me the incentive to create with them and create content that can get out and inspire people <clears throat> to be themselves. And time is of the essence. And um, I, I get a chance to bring back a friend of the program um, and a guy who uh, is a hero to many, but, um, you know, the, the greatest thing about my guest is that he, he doesn't take himself that seriously, but he takes what he does very seriously. And that's been going on for a long time. Johnny Vidakovich, welcome back to the Jake Feinberg Show. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me, man. So nice to hear you. Nice to hear you. You know, I just want to set the tone for, um, you know, um, this part one here. Um, I'm going to put this, uh, name that voice in. I don't expect you to know who it is, but it's just kind of what I, how I feel about Johnny Vidakovich. So take a listen, and we'll come back. Love, to me, is what makes everything go around. I think that love created the universe. I think that if you, if you say you do not believe in God, you're an atheist or whatever, you know, I respect that. Uh, I think we all need to respect uh, how, how each other feels about things in life. Um, but for you to say that you don't believe in God, and if you have a little daughter or a little son, and you look in their eyes, you can't tell me that you don't believe in love. Mm -hmm. And to me, God is love. So I don't think I need to go any further with that as far as that's concerned. And mm -hmm. I, also, I also believe that, uh, that, and especially at this time in, in the world, what's going on out there in the world, it's just insane. And we need to hold on to love. We need to hold on to what love is. We need to realize that there's a heavy struggle going on in the world. And, and I don't think any of us really understand. We don't understand it like we, we should. But I know one thing for sure, that this world needs love. It always did. Jackie, did Johnny, that um, was my first interview from 2014 with Jim Keltner. And um, I wanted to just ask you straight out, um, when you, so many cats that I talked to on this journey <clears throat> um, were raised by musicians. Uh, Shelly Mann was raised by Black, by Coleman Hawkins. And, um, you know, Keltner would get on the bandstand and <clears throat> with Albert Stinson and they'd try to emulate Philly Joe and uh, 
whoever was playing bass. And, you know, just going back to your earliest days on this, in this life, on this planet, can you talk about the love, the first time that you really felt love and who it was from and how it was, how you received it? Well, I would say, you know, when I, when I first began to play in like a group, it was uh, old man Warren Duncan's uh, traditional kid band that he did every Saturday morning. And I got to be good at it, and I got to go out on little uh, adventurous gigs. And uh, one time, like a singer could didn't show up or couldn't show up or something, and he kept building me up to sing a whole bunch of tunes because he had a lot of, he just said I could do it. And I never even thought about it. So I could, you know, I did it based on him believing in me. And that took a lot of love, I think. Yes. You know, when I look at it back, I look at the trustworthiness of him just telling me I could do something I never even thought of and him just saying, okay, do it, man. I know you can do it. You know, and that, I think at that moment I felt his love for my ability to just take a chance based on his uh, preparing me up for it preparing me for it with 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 nothing but love because he didn't have time to prepare me for the songs and the music. He just said, I know you can do this, go out there and do it. And I did, you know, with no you know, so that's what it was. It was you know, it was his security of love and trust and not the security of having been rehearsed or practiced or anything like that. It was strictly in you know, that feeling that he gave me otherwise you know um, you know i wouldn't even thought of doing such a thing the, okay i just want i want to ask you something what you're talking about is faith he had faith in you and that creates yeah. love and trust but yeah. were you were you i know like your grandma you know you were you were not you know playing poly oh. polyrhythms on pots and pans but i mean i want to i want to delineate with you i want to talk about were you raised in a faith-based house? Was it taken seriously or because God is love? That's what Keltner said. And what he, yeah. what this cat showed you in the, in the kids band was faith, which translates to love. Did you feel it earlier in your life? Maybe in a different way. Oh yeah. Because you know, I mean, being an infant, I could feel it being passed around from one member of the family, from my grandmother to my mother, to my aunt you know, and back and forth like that. And they all were very motherly to me, you know, and all of that was based on really hard, solid, physical, real love. So you're prepared to recognize love. I was prepared to recognize love when, when, I, when, I, when I started to grow up just a little bit, you know, anywhere between, uh, between 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12. You know, I, I was prepared to see the love that people were going to give you. Because I had that early infant 
and I had recognition of it. You know, I, I can I remember my infant stages. I remember being two years old, and you know, my my mother and my aunt and my grandmother uh, doing things for me. I remember it. You know, I have fond memories of it. You know, I have fond memories of being held by my grandmother. You know, by my mom. You know, I have these. So that type of love, you know, is something that I was fortunate enough to be educated on at, boom, you know, Jump Street. Uh, no, I mean, the, this is, I mean, did, was it more multi-sensory memories or can you point to actual, like, things that you remember? Obviously, the physical love, the, the, the cradling. Things I can remember. Yeah. Uh, things I can remember. Yes. that I had in my mind of uh, being uh, held and taken into my mother and dad's first apartment. And my mom said, oh, well, you had to be uh, seven or eight months old at that time in the way I described the incident, the house, the color, the time of the, time of the morning, and the steps in front of the house. Whoa. She said, yeah, you're describing the first house that Whoa. me and your dad had after you were born. And I remember her holding me in her arms while my dad was opening the door. And it had shutters. It had shutters that you had to open. It was an old-time house uh, on St. Ferdinand or one of those streets like that. And it had about three or four steps that you walk up to the front door. And he got off late as a bartender. So the time of morning was like uh, right as dusk. Uh, what do we call it? Dawn. Yes. Right? You know, it was yes. Like still yes. gray. It was still gray and light hadn't quite come out yet. But he, he was a bartender, and that's when he got off. So he would pick up my, my uh, 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 you know, me from either my grandma, or whoever I was staying with, you know, while he he worked, and my mother, uh, you know, uh, uh, my mother w- would be there, and I, my he, my mother would be holding me in her arms while he opened the door, and I described the incident perfectly to my mother. So I do remember things from being nine months old, and I remember things from being two months old, you know, things the bed, you know, the bottle, my mother, uh, my mother giving me the bottle. You know, and laying me down on my left side because I was because I was uncomfortable on my right side. <laughs> you know, I remember I remember the oh, I, rem- I remember the, the, the flannel sheets. You oh. know, I remember the, the brown uh, uh, single bed. You know, uh, this uh, I, I remember the metal frame of the bed. You know, I remember you know I remember the, the kitchen. You know, I remember I, I remember my grandmother's bedroom. You know, I remember all of these things. You know, the incidents, you know, do you, all kind of crazy stuff. I love it, though, because, yeah. I, you know, I, that, 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 that gives me access to the beautiful things to remember that made me appreciate love so much because that was where it started. Well, it's, it's, it so started. Indi- it's so beautiful to hear this because, I mean, you know, you, you, know, you, you, you got the memo from the womb, basically, and then... Um, have never forgotten that and passed it along to so many other cats in your own way. And so many people that I talk to, John, you know, they, not even musical healers, just people in general, through dogma, through rigid thought patterns, um, if they don't conform to those by their family, then the family doesn't love them. 
and it's very hard for people. Um, was there any? Did you were you raised with any dogma? Were, was there any like pressure to conform, or were they like let Johnny V be Johnny V? Yeah, yeah. I, no, I, I was given pretty much total freedom. You know, I pretty much uh, was able to make my own blueprints. Just they would careful, carefully, you know, watch out for me. You know, say, oh, oh well, that's going a little too far. I know you shouldn't be that. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Can you, you give know, me, Can uh, you give an you example? Know. Can you give an? I mean, just sure, I would love sure. you to talk. Uh, take us uh, 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 going into like say. Um, um, uh, well, I could start even nursery school, but I just I just jump jump ahead a little bit to say like uh, hanging out with the, with the kids in the neighborhood, right? Yeah. You know there was, you know when you got we didn't hang out in a house a lot back then. You know you know it was hot, you know air conditioning stuff, so you hung out in the street with your kids, you know, with your buddies, you know all all the guys and, and the girls in the neighborhood. Now, of course, it, it, at some point, you know, everybody had to go go inside and go to bed, and, and you know, uh, so a lot of the kids, most of the kids had parents said, okay, you got to be in this house by 9 o'clock, you know, or, or you know, you got to be, you know, uh, maybe in the summer, summertime a little later, maybe 10, you know. Uh, uh, so my, my parents and my grandma, my, my mom and my grandmother said, say, hey, man, you got to be in by 9.30 or 10 o'clock, you know. They just... They just let me take it upon myself, and they, of course, they wanted if if anything was you know not right or not or didn't out of out of the order. You know, when the rest of the kids had to go home at ten nine thirty or ten, 10 o'clock, I went home at nine thirty. So I made my own plan, my own uh, uh, dogma or uh, uh, Well, pretty much well, good enough for me, you know, in the eyes of my grandmother and mother. It seemed pretty logical. Okay, if the other kids are going at 10 o'clock, he ain't going to be out there by himself. He's probably going to come home, which I did, you know. You know so, you know, they didn't have to say, hey, you got to be aware of you. It's 5 after 10. You know, they knew everybody else had to be home by 10. So if I wasn't home by 10, 20, or 10, 30, then what the hell am I doing by myself for half an hour in the outside, right? But that never did happen. You're telling that never happened? That you, are you sure that never happened? Are you sure? No, 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 not really, not really. Now maybe when I got to be older. Yeah, you're, ta- you're talking like you're talking like seven, seven, eight years old, or what? What, what age are we talking about here? I'm, I'm talking about I'm talking about I'm talking about eight, eight, eight through eight, eight through uh, eleven. Got it. You know? Yeah, yeah, okay. That, that, yeah, you that, were listening. You the you point know. is that you listen you. You listened to them too. I mean, you, it was a two-way street. The respect and the love was there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they were not confining me. I had a lot of freedom, you know. You know, I had a lot of freedom and a lot of a lot of encouragement. What was? Can you? I mean, growing up in New Orleans, I mean, it was. I mean, it was done differently. I mean, just hearing. Things just are done differently down there. There's a certain vibe and essence, and it's obviously a very multi-ethnic melting pot. Was there something like maybe one time at a young age you found yourself maybe in your neighborhood or out of your neighborhood and witnessed something that was 
a phenomena of sorts or it kind of spooked you or made you realize that you needed to anyway you witnessed something that was not something that related to love was there anything that kind of made you realize that you were living in a place amongst people and that not everything not love was not always given to everybody it was not a given well just go where your mind takes you on that yeah i i i uh as a child, you know, I saw maybe, uh, you know, uh, 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 fam- you know, like, uh, what do you call it, like uh, domestic kind of uh, stuff go down between my my aunt and her husband and between my mama and my, and my dad a little bit, you know. Uh, so, you know, there was a very, very disturbing time when I was about four or five years old when my dad was drinking a lot and um, we were living with his, his mother and father at the time, my grandfather, Vodakovich, and my grandmother, uh, Vodakovich, and uh, his parents, and we were living with them, my mama, and I was only about four, three. And uh, he drank a lot, my, my dad, my, fir- my, mm. my first dad, mm. my real dad. Mm. So anyway, uh, uh, my grandparents were out of the house. They were at a church meeting or something. It was in the evening, and my mother was in the bathroom taking a bath, and I was just, you know, playing, on, sort of like walking up and down the hall by myself. My cousins were next door because we lived next door to my cousins. They had six cousins next door. Anyway, so... My dad came home and he was drunk, and uh, he went in the bathroom where my mother was taking the bath, and I could hear him arguing and screaming. And when I went in, in there, he was, you know, kind of like holding her by the hand, and you know, it looked like you know he was gonna hit her or something like that. And so that kind of disturbed me. You know, I, I saw what I thought was love really become an ugly situation and I ran downstairs in the kitchen and grabbed this big knife and I was only about two and a half feet tall you know I was only about three less yes. than three feet yeah. tall and I ran up the stairs with this knife and luckily my aunt from next door my aunt Bertha she came and grabbed me up and scooped me up I was going in the bathroom to pluck Take a take a slash at my, my dad. <laughs> wow. wow. About after that, and I guess my dad left. And next thing I know, we were back over oh, back from my grandma's house. My grandma from Sicily. My grandpa from my back from my my mama's parents' house. You know, within a matter of hours. You know, that was a regular thing. Yeah, between. My mom and my dad, when he'd get drunk, sometimes he would go out the box, and my mom would just was, you know, jump in a cab or call a friend, and they would come slide by in the middle of the night. I'd throw my stuff in a, in a cardboard box and scoop me off to my grandma's, you know. I just want to be clear that I'm... I'm I, that was crazy. Yeah, so well, no, was, first of all, I, this, this I, is exact. Yeah, go ahead. I, I, I saw the balance. 
you know, I saw the balance between, you know, what's love and what could be family disruption or, you know, it's 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 just the uh, the bad side of love. You know, there's a lot of problems. You know, husbands and wives, mamas and dads, they they argue, they fight. You know, this is nothing out of the blue. But I remember it left such a big impression on me. So I was that this what this did, now that I look at it in retrospect, what this event did and the beauty of my my my, my mom's grand family, you know, raising me, the beauty of that love and and the, and the darkness of, of that incident and relationship that my mother and father had, that's why they broke up so early, you know, when I was four or five years old, uh, you know, a, I, I see the balance. So I, what happens now is I really appreciate and can see and recognize love. And and I do have a daughter who I look in her eyes, and I do know that love is everything. Just like the, just like Kim Kelton was saying, you have a daughter, and you look in her eyes, and you realize that hmm. love is everything. Hmm. And I know that. So I can recognize these things now because... I have that dark thing to balance it off, so it just makes my vision sharper, my perception sharper, my ability to perceive and, 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 and detect love in, in the moment and, and, and appreciate it for that moment because it's, it's just for a moment that you have love. It's not something permanent. It's you have to know when you're having it and experience it and let yourself be submerged into it because that love can be dark, you know. There's a dark side to it, you know. That's the way I feel about it. Yeah. Johnny, I mean, I, I got I got chills up. I got I got goosebumps right now because I mean, everything you're saying is. Um, I mean, it was common pra- commonplace in some ways, uh, back then. For uh, I don't want to say it was normal, but I mean, <clears throat> in a. You know, men were very very abusive to women, and there was not any kind of domestic abuse, violent. I mean, I don't know what accountability they had. I'm just wondering. Yeah. Post-World War II. Post-World War II. Right. So, but I just, I mean, you would say, though, that this is profound because we started on the, and you're right, there's the light and the dark of love. And so you, we started with the, the, the Johnny VB and passed around the buoyancy, the love, the, Little Johnny, the, the, the bottle, the <clears throat> the left side, and then, mm-hmm. but if I'm hearing you correctly, for a period of time before your first dad and mom, your real dad, your biological dad and mom split, you were maybe several times a week going between grandparents' houses because of the violence. Uh, uh- Let's say several times a month. I say okay, that's right. Several so, times, yeah, several times a month for a couple of years. Is there some way to for you to express how you internalize that be, uh, at that time? Because we're none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes, and Lord knows, you know, anyone who's been married or has kids, we know that there's fighting and there's codependency, and then ultimately, they're either you're gonna survive as a couple or not but right. looking back on it because you clearly did not fall into some of the foibles and the, the that your biological dad did 
did you look back, can you look back at that time? Who were the moral compasses outside of your mother um, that, that helped you realize that, that this was not healthy behavior from a, a man? And, um, you know, who, who was your moral compass? Who were the moral compasses for you? male and female traits and things like that and things what you need to look for uh you know, my grandfather was great he wouldn't so good because here's what i want to here's what i'm trying to get at is like <laughs> as a young boy I, for me i would be confused because i'd be like i love my mom and my dad but they're always fighting and then there's this idea of like well the masculine side is you have to show force but actually that's not right so yeah give me an example of how your grandpops how your granddad was a, a at least a moral compass for you even at that sort of unevolved age <laughs> wow okay um um uh both of my grandfathers as opposite as they were they both had had, had this uh i could feel their love right i could feel their uh when they looked at me when they touch me, when they talk to me, I could feel their love. Even though my grandfather, Vodakovich, he was very religious. Uh, he was a, a mailman and became a retired mailman, and he made rosaries by hand. As I sit in the kitchen and do that. And, uh, uh, he always spoke clearly to me, and uh, uh, he stood up very straight and tall. And uh, 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 he tolerated my dad's stuff by mostly silence, you know, and saying, okay, John, my dad's name was John, it's okay, John, you know, and yeah, yeah he tolerated my dad, you know, and uh, uh, so uh, he, he, just being around that grandfather was, uh, showed me some form and structure and, you know, how to be cool. And then my grandfather, Ingrid Value, my mama's daddy, <laughs> he was from Trapani, and he was just—he's—he was a beautiful mess, you know. <laughs> he was just—he just smelled bad. His fingers were brown from smoking them Chesterfield, no filter little cigarettes. Oh my God! Uh, is... He could hardly speak English, and uh, oh, this—this this, I want to do now. This guy's and, a legend, uh, man. His, his coffee was as black as as coal, and as. And and uh, and if you walk past him, he would grab you, you know. He was just fun, man. And I remember when he when he got sick and he had a heart attack and he was sleeping in the middle room because my grandma threw him out of out of their bed and made him sleep in the middle because he smelled so bad. Uh, I, he, he he said well, he couldn't get out of the bed, man. And he said, hey. Hey, 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 get, get, get Johnny to bring his drums in this room and play the drums for me. Wow. So I moved the drums from the living room to the middle bedroom, man, and he was just laying up in his bed after about two or three heart attacks, you know, and, you know, he's 
lay it out. I just beating the shit out the drums, man. He just thought that was the best thing in the world. Oh my yeah. god, dude! Th- wait, hold yeah, on. You had a full though. trap set in his room. That yeah, he- yeah, 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 yeah. It was nuts, man. I, my grandmother would put up with anything, you know. She helped me <laughs> move the drums. That's that's the sign. That's the sign of love right there. When your grandmother is carrying your drums for you. At, at, at 10, 11, 12 years old. I remember I used to have this little parade drum, and I was in like the fifth and sixth grade, and I played it at the grammar school across the street from my grandma's house. You know, all I had to do was cross the street. Big neutral ground, big Carrollton Avenue. It was wide, but I mean. And so after school, on the days that, that I had band, my grandmother would meet me on the corner, and I'd have my books, and she'd grab my snare drum, man, and she would carry my snare drum in carry it home. I'll never forget that as long as I live. She was there every Tuesday and Thursday, like clockwork, you know. That is so freaking cool. Wait, hold on. You see, (laughs) your grandparents from from Italy... Yeah, Sicily. Sicily. They... they, 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 Basically, your grandma was, was old, reliable... Taking the oh, yeah. and, then, and then your grand and your grandpa was banished to a middle room with heart attacks and he and you and he he but he, all he wanted was to was to let the, was yeah. to hear the rhythms. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bring your drums in there. Play the drums. Yeah, he was great. He was great. He had all kinds of jobs. He was just he was great cat. So you know that that's the, you know that's where I, I kind of you know got my my my. my uh, uh, my, uh, I got my love from my grandfather as far as being, being, uh, you know, being a, a man and expressing. My grandfather, Dokovich, who had to deal with my, my dad, you know, who was a mess, you know, uh, you know handsome, good look, wonderful. He was a Pol- He was from Poland. Well, they were Polish, right? Uh, they were they were Yugo, of Yugoslavia. Yugoslavia, yeah. Descent. yeah, yeah. Which is now Croatia, and they were Croatians uh, descent. You know, I, was, I think my great great grandfather was Croatian on that side. You know, but anyway, anyway, yeah, they, they came from uh, fishermen, oyster fishermen, and such down south. You know, you know, yeah. Uh, this is so. This is in, this is great. I mean, did, okay. <clears throat> Did you ever feel so many kids grow up and they constantly feel that even if they're getting 90% on their tests out of 100, it's never good enough, right? Parents look at them and say, where's the other 10%? Um, right. You know, did, was there anything, not academically, or was there anything at all that obviously your, your dad, we'll get to him later, but <clears throat> I mean, did you ever feel like, was there anything in your family that you never measured up to that you were constantly striving for? Or was it always, we know Johnny's on his own path. I mean, did you have any angst about coming up short in anybody's eyes growing up for any, and if so, what was the, what was that? Um, only when, uh, uh, the only time I felt like I was coming up short and the only time I was given, I, I was never really given any goals or, you know, saying, Hey, you're not meeting a standard. Right. My, 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 it seemed like my, my, my requirements were two. One was to get by, pass through the system of the school business 
and please stay out of trouble, you know, because I did have a knack. I had a knack for when in school to be a clown because when I was in public school before I got into music heavy. Uh, but, you know, in the early part, you know, I would clown. I would get in trouble there. You know, when I was in junior high school, uh, you know, after the after the first half year, I had detentions, uh, you know, well into the summer. You know, I would, I would, be, I would be doing detentions the next year for, for uh, detentions that I had in the year previous. <laughs> yeah, right, the carryover. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. When it, came yeah. To, when it came to Louisiana history, I lasted in, I lasted in class less than two weeks, got thrown out, had to spend the rest of the year in front of the principal's office reading the entire Louisiana history book and writing a paper every day to give to the principal. That's how, you know, I mean, wow. that's how. And then go spend the rest of the afternoon in detention. You know, yeah. I so thought, this is so no. This is important. This is first of all. Uh, so that that, yeah. that 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 that's when that's that's when when I'm where I messed up right there, and that's where my parents said, "Oh man, yeah." My mother or my grandfather, grandmother said, "Oh man, you know, you know, you can, you know, get, you know, come on, stop this, you know." And then I got on the track team, and things got better. I got on the track team. I got on the gymnastic team. Things got better, you know. When you, Until I got into music, then all of that shit stopped, and I got, and I, and I got, I got right, you know. Once I got into music and got that scholarship to a good school with good people around me, and, and you know, uh, good, good, positive uh, things, and you had to keep the scholarship, you know. So, you know, I, you know, I changed my, I, I just did, I did sort of one eighty as far, but I was still goofing off in class, you know. I, out, you know, way less. Yeah, well, you're, I mean, yeah. you're still goofing off today, but I mean, the, 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 yeah. the, 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 here's the thing. I mean, do you feel like, <clears throat> were you bored? Because, I mean, you're not, you're a pretty bright dude, I mean, and you have a great way of expressing yourself, but was it like, were you bored with the, like, were you unable to sit still? Were you, the body was already dancing. Maybe you didn't know that it was uh, going to manifest into a I, ryth- rhythmic profession, but I mean, or was it like, cause there's a big difference between like, like having a, a learning disability or like not getting it versus just being like, I, I feel restrained right now. Man, I'm gonna have to tell you, man, you know, I, it might be part of living in New Orleans. It might be part of the vibe that, you know, to me, it wasn't disruptive. It wasn't bad. What it was, was festive. You know, I was just having yeah, fun. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know? Yes. Uh, yeah, and, 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 you know, and so they didn't say, they didn't say to me, ooh, we're going to beat, you know, once in a while I got, you know, I got, I got hit with a belt. I got hit with a stick, you know, but that was part, that, you know, I was part of being punished, you know. That's part of the taking game. Taking a couple of whacks, taking a couple of whacks in front of the hole. Then you could go laugh it off during the recess, right. you know. Right. You know, everybody, you know, laughed. So I mean, let's face it, I wasn't doing anything terrible, 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 you know. As in, you know, you're gonna wind up, you know, or you know, you know, you're definitely going, you know, hey, it's just more like stop the stop the goofing off, stop fucking around, huh? You know that kind of thing, you know. Oh man, you're fucking around, you know. But to me, that was, you know, partying, man, you know fucking around with semi partying you know you know no i mean it's it's it's, it's uh <laughs> i think it's in the air man i think it's in the air did you um were you around 
uh, your black brothers and sisters at that time? Did you recognize that it's possible that um, you were treated, that you could have easily been expelled or had something on your record if you were a different skin color? I mean, they did, they were very patient. I mean, you did plenty of history papers outside your principal's office, but they didn't kick you out of school. They didn't get something on your record that would permanently damage your freedom. Did you, was that, I know New Orleans is its own vibe, but were you already around your black brothers and sisters? And did you recognize there was, that that was kind of the groove? I mean, that you were attracted to that music and that vibe and that essence? Oh, from Jump Street, the music for sure. Uh, unfortunately, uh, it was still time of segregation when I was a kid. I was born into segregation. Right. Integrate Integration never really happened until I was well into high school, well into about my second or third year of high school. You know, it, 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 you know they tried starting it earlier, you know, but it, it was only, you know, some forced public stuff. But by that time, by the time integration finally started moving along at any pace, uh, 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 as far as school goes, uh, I was I was well into high school uh, at, at Aloysius, where I went, St. Aloysius, which is a private school. I don't I think they had one, uh, one black cat started when I was about uh, maybe a sophomore, and then by the time I was a junior or a senior, they had maybe an, a different black cat, you know. Uh, right, and, uh, right. But as, as, as far as uh, as far as getting my record or something that I would have to carry into uh, 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 my life, I knew that as long as I was a juvenile, anything that I got in trouble for, uh, you know, on, on a police level would would, would be, you know, uh, n- not very held. I, I wouldn't be held so accountable for once I got to be 17. You know, that'd be a juvenile record. It wouldn't worry about that. I knew that much about the law, so I knew I had to stop the the, the, the semi-risky, dangerous things I was goofing off doing. I knew I had to stop that by the time I was seventeen. But I, but, but by the time I was fourteen, I was already moving on to a much hipper school and being being coming becoming ninety not five percent totally absorbed in music. So yeah, I we're not, we're not, we're not, we're we're, 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 we're that, that, yeah. That, that, that that made me behave a whole lot more because I had a I had a deal with getting my music together. You know, I didn't have time to goof off and like I was doing so much when I was younger. This is important. You 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 and DeGrati coined that phrase. Uh, content dictates form. Um, I remember one of my interviews with John McLaughlin. <clears throat> he said that um, he had to find a meditative practice. Um, because he was using hard drugs and he found Sri Chimnoy, his guru, and he became a very big practitioner of, of yoga. Uh, and he said to me, discipline is the gateway to freedom. And I wanted to ask you when you got into the, I don't really want to get into this chapter in this, we're going to go in right now, but that, I want to save the music chapter. But I want you to talk about, like you said, you got serious about music. It became a discipline. Can you talk about this this phrase? Discipline is the gateway to freedom. Well, for sure. 
because to to, to even even perceive freedom to experience freedom to have it before that basic factual facts this is all of these facts blueprints diagrams all of these things are what you're going to be free of when you do have the blessing of freedom. Wow. You're going to be free of these restrictions, of these blueprints, of these blocks. You are these things. You have ingested these things. And then freedom comes because you're no longer bound by those things, but yet you have the building blocks, the foundation, all within you to operate in the moment, the time, the passage of time that you're experiencing freedom. Because then you're going to, when freedom runs out, you're going to go back to not experiencing freedom. Then you're going to have to see when freedom comes along again and let it be part of you and you'll be part of it again. But you got to have the building blocks to be free is to be free of something. You're not just free. Yeah, exactly. You're free of you're free of these things, of these boundaries, of these things that might weigh you down. You're things of these uh, weighted things that sometimes make make your character or, or, or your or, or your characteristics or your personality. Oh, he's a dark cat, man. That cat's depressed, or you know, he's thinking dark. You know. He, 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 you know that that's that's too bad because that's not really who you are. That's right. just what that's just that's just something that goes through you and in and out of you. You're not really dark, man. You're open to anything. You know, so all it's up to you to recognize when it's there for you to be part of it, so you can experience it. Because you're not going to experience it forever. Nothing's forever. So then you can you have to learn how to oscillate and vacillate between structure and freedom, structure and freedom. You know, you have to know when freedom's obtainable and when you can take advantage of it because you can take advantage of it because you have the building blocks and the diagrams and the fundamental tools to keep your feet fully, fully planted in this cheeseburger of life. <laughs> your, hands, your hands and your mind and your heart and your soul and your stomach go soaring into the land of freedom. Oh. You know, and then you just have to know how to take off and land. You know, and that—that's why. That's why. Uh, with what they say, content. You know, uh, dictates. You know, uh, you know, having having these fundamental things, having fundamental uh, 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 basic tools of, of how to make music. Uh, and and when you get that really good, then you can get free of it. You can. It's just like, it's like a basketball game. They have lines. But, it, you know, and you can't go out of those perimeters. But, man, inside of those lines, there is so much that can go on in, in, in five seconds with that ball. You know, I mean, that's a lot of unpredictable moments, you know, where that ball is going to go. It's just as long as it don't go out of the line. Right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, man. Uh, you know, so, so for me, 
you know, I know my perimeters and boundaries, and so when I get to this freedom, man, I can beat the ball around. I can throw it under my head. I can tilt it. Just don't, man, don't, don't let it go out of bounds, Johnny. You know, that's all. You know? <laughs> and even if it does go out of bounds, it's a way you can hop up in the air and tap it back in before, it, you know, without you being, you know, there's all kind of ways to deal with that, with, with your boundaries. Yeah, before you lose, before you, before you lose possession, yeah, you lose yeah, possession. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How, look what we do in music, how, how we stretch our boundaries, how we make complex compound chords, you know, and we stretch the harmony, you know, and compound it and compound it, you know. Uh, man, look, is there a difference between R&B and jazz? Well, it's the same music, it's the same process, only that jazz is way more complex than R&B. But it's the same one, four, five blues changes, more or less. It's just more extended chords, you know. That's all it is, you know. It's yeah, extending the boundaries, you know. Uh, th- th- that is an – I got to write that down because <clears throat> we have to address the difference between extended chords and – because there's this fine line between uh, compared to what and the Crusaders and um, Eddie Harris tunes from the late 60s that were – understandable to cats who could play the blues but not necessarily jazz versus jazz tunes uh, is more stretched out i don't want to we'll have to pick up on that topic but <clears throat> going back can you t- can you talk specifically about the blocks <clears throat> the building bl- not the building blocks the the blueprints and the blocks and the and the habitual stuff that you've got freed from when you got into serious, you talk about getting serious about music, it, it's called a discipline. What were the blocks that you were able to, to become free from? Um, uh, let, me, let, me, let me say something here. It, 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 like you, you never stopped being Johnny V. You were still a jokester, clowning around, like to be festive. But what gave you the all of a sudden the self-worth, the realities of this, this craft became a discipline. So what, were, what did you become liberated? What, specifically, what, what allowed you to, be, to feel free? Well, uh, I, 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 uh, I had to get over the whole, uh, especially the thing that goes along with school a lot, but lucky, luckily, I, 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 I could live. Uh, I could uh, uh, musically. I could. I, I, would, I was able to live, uh, do a double thing, sort of like live, have a duality of a, of a, of a character or a personality. Uh, one of the things that I that, that that I had to learn to set free was that I couldn't be in 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 the in, in the eyes of and, and, uh, and considered, I couldn't be the kind of drummer that was really fast and uh, had good drum chops and uh, was drumistically very much of a virtuoso. I, I didn't have that in me. What I had and I recognized was I had a little bit more of trying to play around with the music thing, you know. I was better at that. Uh, what does that mean? What does that What does that mean? Is that attitude? What is that? No, no, no. I mean, it has to do with the, no, no, very solid here. This is nothing abstract. This is very objective. Okay. I, 
I did I didn't have the technique, the speed, the chops of uh, you know say uh, maybe sixty or more seventy percent of my of my colleagues. What I did have was my ability to sit behind the drum set and play with a band and make it feel good and swing and be part of the band more than I, as the other drummers would sit down behind the drums and really play some uh, maybe strong kind of drum stuff, you know, but it wasn't very musical or, or, you know, very empathetic or they didn't have the ability to play pretty. It didn't sound as lyrical as, 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 uh, as I could make it, even though it was drums and there's nothing lyrical about a drum set. You know, it's about playing music, phrasing, breathing, being empathetic and very much, you know, uh, being having big ears to hear what's going on in a band, you know. Uh, no, I, did. I had that. I had that over my 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 my, my, uh, my peers, you know, my my, my drummer uh, guys, you know. So I had I had I had to make I had to build on that, and that did that. Thank God, yes, did require my individuality to be part of it, you know. And that was something I learned very much from birth, going back to the beginning of our conversation when I was given the freedom to go in at what time the rest of the kids went home. You know, I was given the freedom here to myself because I learned the basic drumming, and then I, then I gave myself the freedom to be who, who I wanted to be. And I thought only by playing the music I could do this. Because if I tried to practice for hours and hours and hours, I would never be as good or fast as the other drummers, you know? Is it fair to say, <clears throat> I mean, I don't want to be overly simplistic, but because your grandparents and your mother uh, allowed you to be, they loved you and trusted you and allowed you to be you, that when you got into this high school, it was easier for you to accept who you were as a player, which was a feel, making people feel good. Do you think that it's possible that, I mean, of course, anything's possible, but do you feel like if you had been raised in a more dogmatic house where, oh, Johnny can't do this, or uh, Johnny can't get out of his own way, or Johnny's irresponsible, that you would have tried to conform to the, to the, mo- to the, to the technique and monster chop guys that you could never get to, that you'd be trying to get after something that you could never attain? Yep, Absolutely. Uh, the whole reason, I, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely right. I, I would have, I would have wound up, and you know, uh, have have. have <laughs> you know, it, it it was exactly because of those early uh, days when I when I was given freedom, and you know, all through all through my younger life, and uh, I, 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 yes. It was because yeah. of that. The, it was totally because of that that I that I am who I am today. That is so okay. See, the, this is this is magic. I, I want to be very clear. Yeah. All was, well, your grandparents, my grandparents, your they're all looking down on us right now. I mean, I have been like, um, I, I have I have had goosebumps this entire time. So, um, I just I need to ask you to talk about. Did you have any kind of closure with your father? Did, I guess here's the point. Maybe your dad had his own dilemmas and addictions. But when you look back in history, 
maybe he didn't understand you and maybe you didn't understand him and maybe you saw him hurting your mom and you saw him hurting the family. Did you guys have respect or any closure before he passed away? Well, to tell you the truth, we had a great, great relationship before he passed away. Really? Oh, tell, talk about yeah. that. Talk about that. For the, for the last year and a half of his life, he had uh, cancer, very bad throat and tongue cancer. And uh, he was in and out of the hospital a bunch, uh, a couple of times. And uh, uh, anyway, uh, he was 38 years old, and he died when he was 39. But anyway, uh, I, you know, I, you know, I had stopped, pretty much stopped seeing my dad when I, when I was, when my mother finally left when I was about four or five. And uh, maybe once when I was 12 or 14, I went over to, uh, you know, my, my grandmother's house where he, he was staying, my other grandmother, you know, and, uh, you know, and I, I might have had Christmas dinner there once and hung out with my dad once. But then, when, uh, when I got a driver's license, and uh, I had this great Chevrolet, <laughs> 55 Chevy. And, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, cool. man. And uh, anyway, uh, so, you know, I wanted to drive. So my mama said, listen, your father has become very ill, and uh, you, you, you haven't seen him in, you know, like, much in 10 years, you know, right now, now just turned 15, six, going on 16, 16, and she says you should start seeing. So every day after school or whenever I could, which is almost every every day, I would drive over. I would, first, I'd go to the hospital. If he was in a hospital, I'd drive up there, and I'd go see him in a hospital for a few hours, talk to him, you know. We'd talk about anything, everything. He was funny, you know. Uh, and then when he got out of the hospital, I would uh, go pick him up, and uh, he, he, wanted, he, he would always want to go to different bars. So I would drive him to these different bars in the daytime, and I would have a Coke, and he would drink his beer, you know, and go drive to another bar. And I, I'd do anything to drive my Chevrolet, so, you know, it was cool, <laughs> man. So, uh, I, and, and we hung out, and, and, and uh, you know, and then he made to go back in the hospital, and, you know, get sicker, and, you know, we hung out, go to a bar, and, you know, uh, and we talked and laughed. You know, uh, uh, and then he passed away. You know, just like that. You know, one one day I went and saw him, and that the next morning my uncle called me and said, "Your dad passed away last night." We kind of figured he would, you know. But anyway, bottom line is, yeah. Now me and my dad got together, and we hung out, and we drove around, and he drank his beer, I drank my cokes, and we laughed, and uh, uh, all's well. Yeah, know? no, that's the, the the point is that in the book, I want to make sure that it's clear that. Even though he was far from perfect, um, oh, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, you guys had you, you guys had peace when he transitioned. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We had fun, man. We had fun, and, and it was all gonna happen. We knew it. He knew it. I knew it. We looked in each other's eyes. You know, we decided to have fun, and that was just it, man. You know, uh, you know. I, I, I was I was old enough to know what was happening. Oh no, know, definitely I, I, no. I'm I, glad I, to hear that. I, I mean, I was, yeah. What went on between him and my mom when I was five, my uh, four? My mother was smart enough to know to get the hell out of there. I, I didn't worry. I didn't have tremendous, you know, uh, kid, uh, four-year-old, five-year-old stress because my mom and my dad. I could see it happening before my very eyes. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, you would have you would have knifed him. You would have knifed him to death. You know. Yeah. 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 You know, I was wondering where the hell that came from. <laughs> <laughs> I knew my aunt was going to come and grab me. I don't know, dude. She was an angel in body at that time. I don't know where she came yeah, I mean, from. She just, I was about three feet from the door, man, going down the hall, man. Oh. She was coming to scoop me up, man. I 
was a little bitty sucker, too. I was about two and a half feet tall. Shit. Okay, J Johnny, um, I want to – we just – we this has just been perfect. Uh, one – one final one final question in, in set in this part one is is how did you know this is so beautiful um, because it, it, it's emblematic of all my favorite musicians and that it's not a chops fest it's it feels good right so right, right. the question is even at that young age when there's a lot of peer pressure you swing in a big band were the cats turning around and saying, man, that feels good? Or were you hearing it from your teacher? How did you know that you were a great feel player, aside from kind of intrinsically knowing it? I mean, how did your band, how did you know that, that you were providing love on the bandstand? Smiles, compliments, uh, the very fact that after, after a little while, band director said hey johnny don't worry about reading that music just play <laughs> <laughs> you know i mean i was hearing already hey man look I, I was i was in high school less than a year and in in downbeat in the back of downbeat this must be 1964 maybe or 1963 in the back of downbeat there used to be a section called Ad Lib or something like that. And it'd be different cities. And when it said New Orleans, it said Young Drummer, St. Aloysius award-winning stage band. Young Drummer Johnny Vodakovich is the new drummer. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, wow. I, was like, I was like, I was like 14, 13, 14 Whoa. years old, bro. 14 years old. And my name was in Downey, bro. So, you know, I mean, when I saw that, I said, whoa, what's the name of this magazine? <laughs> oh, man. I said, look at this, New York City, wow. Dude, that is, ep that is epic. I mean, so, but you're saying it was uh, it, the smiles, though. There were smiles, right? People were yeah. smiling. Yeah. Because yeah. that, to me, when I think of jazz, I think of Louis Armstrong. I think of smiles. I think of Johnny V. I, you know, it's like, I also think of Charles Mingus, you know, taking Canadian football players and throwing them across the floor. But, you know, it's a, it's a mix, you know, and it's like the fact is that you recognized and because you were never told to conform to something, you were able to be yourself. And that's what music truly is about. And so I'm, I'm, I'm on my fourth interview, but this, was, this has sent me to the moon. So let's just... Get back in the driver's seat this week. We'll 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 do part two. All right. Okay, okay, okay. I'm at your service, bro. Yeah, man. Love you, Johnny, man. And be safe and, and much love to the fam. I love you, Jake. I love you too, you, man. You bring you bring it out, bro. Oh yeah, no. Out. We're turning we're we're turning the double play every time, dude. <laughs> okay, man. <baby. laughs> Later, dude. Keep in touch. Keep me posted. All right, bro. Peace. That's why I do my show. That's it. See you tomorrow.